Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner! Welcome to Sports on a Sunday Morning. America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Well, this is it. The Cardinals, they win it, they're in. They don't win it, they better hope the Giants don't win. If the Giants win, that's the key. If the Giant, if the Cardinals win, they're in the playoffs. That's how we start. Hi, I'm Tom Ackerman, by the way. Sports on a Sunday morning. If the Giants win their game and the Cardinals lose, you're looking at the Cardinals going to Detroit to have to figure out if they can make the playoffs, and if they win one of the two games that would be scheduled that day, they'd be in. So it really comes down to this. Cardinals need to win a game today, and they're in the playoffs. And Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager, is with us on Sports on a Sunday morning in just eight minutes. Right now, Brian Kelly finishing up his newscast. Did you say rain? Now, hold on a second. Now. Yeah, a little bit of rain here Wait this a minute. evening. We well, need it. Now that, I, I know we need it, but that kind of changes up uh, our uh, situation here. Now, what time exactly? Can you uh, pinpoint that meteorologist, Brian Kelly? More like in the early evening. All right, so, that's better. Uh, yeah, probably okay. talking seven. All right, six, seven. This game's like at two fifteen today, yeah. a little later than yeah, normal. Right, it's not what a one fifteen. Uh, generally, they do that late in the year yeah, uh, on the last game of the regular probably. season. Yeah, yeah. They, they'll start all these games right around the same time. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the situation today. All of these games are starting at the same time. Ah, Everything's around two o'clock Central Time. Yeah. So that's where you are. Uh, everything is either a 205. Well, there's one. Detroit, Kansas City is a 1205 today. Everything else is either a 205, a 210, or a 215. Hmm. And, uh, you know, you figure out what happens at the end. So that's yeah. the scenario. You don't have to worry about the Phillies right now because the Cardinals own a tiebreaker with them. Uh, the other team that would be. Uh, uh, knocking on the doors, of course, the Brewers. Mm-hmm. So you got You you can really uh, do some damage with a win here today. The Cardinals. All the scenarios are favorable to them. They really do control their own destiny, though. I mean, you forget tiebreaker. You win the game, you're in. Right. You lose the game, you just again hope that the Giants don't win. Uh, my buddies uh, on a uh, from high school with me were on a text group, and we have been for years and years. Reminded me this morning that the Blues are still Stanley Cup champions. That's right. That's nice. The. Uh... Hockey Hall of Fame tweeted out yesterday the display that they have are the Blues and said one more time before we hand out the cup again. So we got another couple days to enjoy that. That's right. Uh, so the the stars last another day, and yeah. um, it's uh, it's exciting. There we're going to have Eli Drinkwitz 
the Mizzou football mm-hmm. coach, with us every Sunday at 1145. Yesterday, uh, they lost to Alabama. You know, 38-19 is a score that goes into the books as a win for Alabama. I think that, you know, covering the spread is a small victory. I go back, and I'm actually going to bring this up to Coach Drinkwitz. I go back to when Gary Pinkle lost to Texas by about the same score. I believe it was about 17, 19 points. Mm -hmm. Texas was number two in the nation, came in, and somebody asked him the question, you know, do you take anything positive from keeping this game somewhat close? And he said, what are you talking Yeah. He's like that. We, you know what? That's the issue. Like mm-hmm. we need to end that culture. Right. Exactly. This is about winning football games. He's pounding on the podium, <laughs> and I'm like, gosh darn it, this guy's good. I, and uh, this, the, the culture is going to change around here. He ended up being the winningest coach in Mizzou history. Uh, I'll be interested to hear what Eli thinks about it because a lot has gone against uh, that football team for sure. Yeah, I saw his comments last night, and he, he basically said too many turn, you know, a couple of turnovers we can't have, and. Uh, Got to be a lot better. Got to be a lot better. That's uh, that's pretty much football coach talk right there. You always got to be better when you don't win. Even when you win, you got to be better. So uh, it's very interesting. It's such an abnormal season, really, in all sports, but especially coming out and, and playing Alabama at home on your opening day in front of, you know, 20,000 people, maybe. Yeah. Uh, it's a very strange situation. So I thought they handled it pretty well. Uh, but, you know, like you said, he'll he'll come up and he'll – He'll find the blemishes, and then they always have to fix them. Cardinals' offense has been silent. Uh, they were shut out again by the Brewers, uh, three to nothing yesterday. Two hits for the Cardinals yesterday. Mm-hmm. Brandon Woodruff just owned them yesterday. We'll talk to Mike Schilt about that. I know he's going to be eager to turn the page and look at today's game, but the offense is definitely an issue. Uh, we'll hear his thoughts on that. The Cardinals have also dealt with a lot this year. They've had a lot of uh, uh, lefts and rights uh, hit them in the face, including COVID. Uh, but they've been able to navigate through that into this position. So they it's it's kind of strange because they're the five seed right now in the National League. But if they lose the game today and the Giants win, they're still scrambling and swimming and trying to get to the top to get into the playoffs. So we'll see how that all shakes out for them. You were telling me about something you just saw on Twitter yeah. about Yadier Molina and a big fan of his. Let me see if I can find this real quick. There I was like a, a World War II veteran from Iowa who shares a birthday with Yadier Molina, and he came down yesterday to watch the game, and there's a picture of him in his wheelchair. He's got his mask on, his Cardinals cap, his Cardinals jacket, and he's sitting outside the stadium gates watching the game and keeping score, and the poster said that he keeps score of every game. He's got a scorebook. So even when he's at home in Iowa, he's uh, he's keeping score. So that's a neat thing. You know, a guy, he's in his 90s, obviously, a World War II veteran, and here he comes, even though you can't get in. He still comes down and, and to watch Yachty and, and watch the Cardinals. That's, that's Cardinals baseball right there. You just never know when the last time you see Yachty or Molina and Adam Wainwright. Uh, the mm. one thing that I I do wish is that those two could receive their due uh, from the fans. Yeah. You know, you those thunderous ovations, the yeah. 2,000th hit from Yachty, all of that stuff wrapped in. But keep in mind right there what you just said, that story right there. There are thousands, millions actually, uh, around the world, you could count as Cardinals fans mm-hmm. that are standing by and are uh, cheering. And some are not. I mean, some are, are upset. They don't think this team is is up to par, and I get that. Like, the standards are high around here. This isn't about trying to sneak in. They want world championships. So, you know, fans come in all shapes and sizes and different uh, thoughts, and, and mm-hmm. I totally get it. Not everybody's the same. But just know this fan base is massive, this fan base is emotional, 
and they are right there, uh, and they understand the significance of Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright and what they have done. They are legends playing right in front of us, so just soak it in. I know that they are, and we'll see what happens in 2021. But we'll no see what question. happens in this postseason 2020. This season is not over yet. Yeah, and, and the fan base cares, and that's something, you know, you, you kind of, yeah, whatever. Well, I was in Kansas City. I did the pre- and post-game shows for the Royals when they were in some of their bad years. And, well, they've had a lot of bad years. And uh, it was a point where the people just didn't care. The Chiefs were up and coming and under Marty Schottenheimer and Carl Peterson, and, and the Royals just didn't really matter to people. And the and Cardinals will never happen with baseball Cardinals. No, they will not let the front office won't let that happen. Right. But, and while it's frustrating, we'll talk to John Mosaloc at 1130. While it's frustrating sometimes that they don't uh, write the big checks all the time or make the huge shakeup trades, they try to keep themselves competitive. Uh, some like that, some don't. Uh, we'll definitely see how it all turns out for them. But they, what you just said is correct. You can never say that this team or this fan base has an apathetic uh, following. Yeah, I mean, they sure. are in uh, for sure, whether it's uh, in, in terms of anger or <laughs> in terms of positivity, they care. They and they care. love this baseball Passion. team. BK, we appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager, is standing by. He's next on KMOX. The following is a special presentation of sports on a Sunday morning. Welcome to the Mike Schilt Show on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman. The Cardinals manager is with us, Mike Schilt, at Bush Stadium for today's game against the Brewers at 2.15. Well, Mike, here it is. This is what you play for. This is what you manage for, a game to get you in the playoffs. It's a bright, sunny day in St. Louis. Are you ready to get after it? Every day, all day, ready to go. Can't wait. Beautiful day. What do you think heading into today? What the situation that you're facing, Mike? I mean, we just we got to play good baseball. You know, we got to figure out a way to score more runs than them at the end of the day, Tom. That's right. Uh, you know what? And that's the thing is going back to uh, the Cardinals and the Brewers yesterday. You lose the game three to nothing. Brandon Woodruff was very tough. I mean, he's throwing hard. He goes eight scoreless, gives up two hits, walks one, strikes out ten. When you look at it, is it Woodruff? Is it the Cardinals? Is it uh, what's the situation there? Woodruff uh, brought his game though, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, you get credit where credit's due. Um, people can say what they want, and, and rightfully so. And offense is. Uh, you know, yesterday wasn't able to string anything together, but this guy's throwing 96-97 on both sides of the black with a good secondary pitch on the plate under the zone. So, you know, that's no picnic. <laughs> um, you know, he did it in a big spot and give him credit. Wayno was really good as well, and they got a couple balls out of the yard. Pretty much turned out to be the difference. You threw a lineup at him of Wong, Edmund, Goldschmidt, Brad Miller, who uh, was the cleanup hitter, and I know cleanup has uh, not been able to, to come through for you here lately. Molina, five. Uh, DeYoung, Carpenter, Fowler, and then Dylan Carlson, uh, who really came on for you here in the last several days. I mean, that's a lineup that uh, this, not to disrespect anybody in your order, of course, but that's a pretty decent-looking lineup, I got to say, going up against Woodruff. So uh, it's it really does come down to uh, execution sometimes, but also the fact that you're facing a very talented pitcher in Woodruff, and you're going to face... These are big league pitchers. I mean, they're not going to give you anything. That's true. Anderson today. What are your thoughts on uh, what you're going to face? Uh, you know, he's a lefty with um, pitchability, you know, softer guy. Um, you know, still got ability to run it up there. But 
you know, more of a, you know, kind of a pitch maker kind of guy and, you know, get in trouble with him, you know, give him some tips early. You know, they're going to go to their pin early. They're going to, you know, they're going to be in their pin early. They're not going to probably wait around as, as well, you know. Um, you know, it depends on how he throws, I can't say, but my guess is they're going to be, you're going to see Peralta and Williams in there maybe earlier if this kid gets in trouble, which we expect. That is true. Uh, they they probably will have all hands on deck, and I would imagine that you will too. Uh, while your faith is in Austin Gomber, who will start for you today, uh, you have a bullpen ready to roll, don't you? We do. We're in a little different scenario, um, but we um, we definitely will be in win mode. The Cardinals and the Brewers at 2.15 today right here on KMOX. Uh, the Cardinals had a, a just it's been a, a crazy season. I mean, it, I think, first of all, I want to say this. To get to a regular season finale um, is an accomplishment for Major League Baseball. We got to this date. I think there were some times where we just wondered, can we get to tomorrow? Uh, but uh, it has been, just to review it, Mike, in your final radio show here, it's been some season you've had to work your way through, hasn't it? Unlike any other. Unprecedented across the board. What has it been like for you, uh, and how has it changed your approach? Has it? Yeah, I mean, you know, the whole thing's changed everybody's approach. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure what you want me to tell you exactly. I could talk to you for an hour and a half about the change, but, um, you know, it's been a, been a lot. You know, it's just different world. It has been. And to get to this point, uh, to have that connection with your players, probably something that you'll never forget, to get to a championship or to get to the postseason, take that next step, uh, will be something you'll remember forever, that's for sure, whether uh, whatever ends up happening here. Uh, it, it's something, when you really look at it, to see this bracket also in the postseason. I know you're focused on today only, but if if you look at the National League Central, the Cubs, the Cardinals, the Reds, and the Brewers are all tangled up here. The Cubs did clinch the division, but those three, Cards, Reds, Brewers, here you go, tangled up. Uh, with an opportunity. Division's been pretty tough. Yeah, we expected that going into the season. And, you know, well, documented season's been different. But what hadn't been different is you got a very, very, very competitive division. And uh, I think that played out that way. It did. Uh, I think if you look at today's pitcher, once again, Austin Gomber, uh, that's one of the positive stories, too. Somebody that you've been able to watch grow within your organization. Uh, you've had some good young pitchers, haven't you, start to work their way into big moments and uh, big responsibilities. Yeah, Gomber's been great. You know, he's um, came in 2018, did a nice job for us in the year, really nice job in a couple of different roles out of the pen and starting and unfortunately missed last year due to injury and this year picked up where he left off and you know, he's got three different pitches and he's got a really good mentality to compete. Um, he enjoys the competition. He's got the weapons to match it and pitch really well out of the bullpen. And then, you know, based on all the different twists and turns of the season has been able to um, take some spot starts and then get built up. And now with a few more um, opportunities, you know, opening up in the starting rotation, he's, he's taking it and pitched well in Kansas city. We're excited to see him pitch today. Adam Wainwright pitched yesterday for you, six and two-thirds. He gives up three runs. What a season this has been for him. Certainly we'll cross our fingers and hope that he can uh, tow the rubber for you again. What a, what, an, uh, what an effort it has been for Adam Wainwright, Mike. Yeah, he's been, the, he's been a big part of the glue that's got this thing together, and um, not only off the field, but clearly on the field. He's been there at every turn for us and stepped up and pitched a lot of big games and just been fantastic. And, uh, 
you know, can't no no superlative to describe Adam Wainwright as a as a as a pitcher and as a human. He's he's uh, clearly very very special special guy. And for Yadier Molina to capitalize on an opportunity and continue to push forward, of course, you all know what number four can do. But to see that smile on his face to get number two thousand the other night had to have been incredibly special. Yeah, very special. Um, you know. I love to see the big smile, just a smile with rightful joy and, and accomplishment, um, well-earned and just excited for Yachty and, and um, you know, the organization. He's, he's done – both of them have set some pretty amazing milestones, him and Wayno and Yachty with the 2,000 hits. You know, one of only six in the organization ever do it. So, very, very rare air. He's uh, he's breathing, and it's been a privilege to be able to watch him over the years. Um, for, I'm sure everybody listening. Mike, I, I have not asked you this one time this entire season, so I, if you say no, that's okay. But can you reveal your lineup for today's game against the Brewers? Yeah. Um, Wong, Edmund, Goldschmidt, Carlson, Molina, DeYoung, Fowler, Bader, O'Neill, Gomber. So Carlson is fourth, if I heard that right. You heard it correctly. And your reasoning and thinking behind that with uh, number three, your rookie in that spot? Um, basically just, you know, we need our best at bats and Dylan's taking our best at bats and you line up your order based on the at bats you think you're going to get. and That's the way it lined out. You've been able to uh, see some production there this season, but I, I did mention earlier, it's been, it's been tough in that spot. I, you know, when it comes to hitting, I feel like we talk about this every week, but we do. when it comes to hitting, you know, you can you can point, you can say it's moves that the Cardinals didn't make to get the proper players, or it's this player or that player, or it's Jeff Albert, or it's uh, the the fact that they're tired, or it's this or it's that. It's it, hitting is interesting. Uh, how do you overall look at? success in hitting and how it comes about that that we've seen and it's not like I mean I just mentioned that you that you were shut out yesterday but you can't pass over the fact that you scored nine runs in the second game of a doubleheader on Friday yeah I'm glad you mentioned that because everybody you know really just dwells on the the you know I get it for our society and it's a production oriented world but you know we got shut out you know, we got to talk about it all day we can we can but we scored nine the day before you know we've won you know, four in Pittsburgh and, you know, first two, you know, two out of three in the series and, you know, came up against a tough pitcher and didn't work out. You know, I mean, um, we'll, we'll own that, you know, it hasn't been as productive we'd like some days, but sure wish some uh, some conversation be around, you know, the fact that there's some positive things that have happened too. There's no doubt. There's been a lot of positive and that's what's gotten you in this spot. And finally, Mike, before we go, a couple of things I wanted to tackle. By the way, the recap of uh, the Cardinals and what they've been doing here in this last week is sponsored by the Don Brown deal, Don Brown Chevrolet on South Kings Highway at the entrance to the hill. Uh, to be back at Bush Stadium, I know, in this big series, kind of felt like a playoff series against the Brewers. Uh, we have uh, certainly a, a road trip that you went through it just without going game by game, but how would you review that? That was a long, long trip. Uh, the last time we talked on this show, you were right in the middle of it. Uh, you kind of weaved your way through there. You got to eventually through Kansas City and back home. What was that trip like, Mike, and, and uh, how would you review that? Yeah, I mean, it's all super positive. I mean, you go on a 13-game, 10-day road trip, and you come out with a winning record. That's a nice accomplishment. Um, and you play 
um, four double headers. Um, pretty good. Um, so I feel felt really positive about it. You know, always could be better, but you know, all things being said, that was a heck of a road trip to put us in the spot we were in. And the spot that you're in right now, again, to let people know, uh, the Cardinals win this game they are in. They are in the postseason. Uh, they would have to, if they lose this game, have to do a little scoreboard watching with the Giants. But we'll get to that when we get to that. The Cardinals play the Brewers today at 2.15 here on KMOX. Mike, before we go, I have a, a, an idea. Of course, I always play the guessing game as to what you're going to say here. But this is our memorable play of the week. It's sponsored by Dolan Memory Care Homes. If you have a loved one with dementia that needs a safe place to live, contact Dolan Memory Care Homes, where they have no more than 11 residents per household. Visit DolanCare.com. Mike Schilt, what is your Dolan Memory Care Homes memorable play of the week? Yeah, it had to be Yachty's 2000 hit. I think that's probably, you know, clearly the highlight of the week, um, you know, for him personally and, and a great accomplishment that we were able to share with him as teammates. Here it is. Two and two on the Cardinals catcher. A nine-time All-Star, nine-time Gold Glover, four-time Platinum Glove performer, Yadier Molina. One hit away from 2,000. The 2-2 pitch. A swing and a line drive into right center. Hit number 2,000 for Yadier Molina. The ball is fielded on a hop by Garcia. And a tip of the cap to number four for the Cardinals. What a beautiful moment that is. Yadier Molina with hit number 2,000. And we'll see how the Cardinals finish things off today. Mike, before, I just the last thing I want to say is you started this show six months ago. You told me you wanted to start on March 29th. You wanted to give the Cardinals fans something to talk about during the pandemic. Uh, get them a little baseball talk, and I really appreciate it. The relationship, the partnership that we've had to be able to do this on KMOX means everything to Cardinals fans and, and our listeners, and I hope that it was uh, therapeutic for you at times as well. Yeah, absolutely. Real privilege, time, and um, good to share the journey with you, and as always, do a great job, and always enjoy our time. Thank you. I, I feel the same way. Thank you for doing this. We're going to let you go so you can go back to doing what you got to do to get a victory today. Thank you very much for the time. Thanks, Tom. Have a blessed day. You too. There's Cardinals manager Mike Schilt with us on KMOX. It's 1030. When we come back, it's Steve Savard, the former KMOV anchor now, former play-by-play voice of the NFL team here in town. He was in my garage happy hour, and we had some conversation. We also have... John Mosellock, Cardinals president of baseball operations, right around the corner. And at 1145, Eli Drinkowitz, the head coach of the Missouri Tigers. He'll make his comments after losing to Alabama yesterday at Faroe Field in Columbia in his coaching debut. How about that for a debut? Go toe-to-toe with Nick Saban. That's coming up. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Glad you're with us. Back with much more after this. Cardinal baseball at 215 today. KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. Oh, yeah! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Uh, this garage lighting is not bad. Oh, we're live. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Garage Happy Hour. Look at this guy right here. It is great. He's a friend. He's uh, somebody I've looked up to. And, you know, if I had asked him, on any other week to do the garage happy hour. And I have thought about this, not only Steve, but others uh, in his position in a prominent position as a news anchor in town. It's like, you know, the person that's in your home every evening, you really have a, a 
a bond with them. I couldn't have because 530 on Thursday, like we have to, the show has to be live. I knew that you were working, putting together a newscast. I just uh, so happened to jump on the opportunity and you were very, very kind to say yes to the garage happy hour. It is an absolute pleasure to have the NFL play-by-play voice here in St. Louis for many years, sports anchor, news anchor, St. Louis, and Steve Savard. How are you? I'm great, Tom. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, I, I just happened to be about 10 days, 10 days ago, I checked out the Dan Deardorff happy hour. And I'm a, you know, I've known, known Dan for 25 years, and it's been a pleasure. It's a, it's a really cool show you do. I'm, I'm humbled you asked me because that mashup of the – Photos of everybody's been on your show. You, you're like, who doesn't belong in this? And you might put Savard in that category. But uh, I do have a little bit of free time on my hands as it is these days, and so I was happy to join. Yeah, and, and I want people to know that you know this isn't uh, a session where I'm going to start asking you about all that the, the insider stuff about the business. The one thing I do want to ask you, though, uh, from a personal standpoint, is how that outpouring of affection has been for you. I mean, it really has been very public. And you have received numerous messages on social media, and I'm certain privately about what you mean to St. Louis. Well, Tom, you know this. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a guy that's prone to hyperbole. I'm certainly not a guy that looks to be the center of attention. It's not why I got in the business. And I, and I certainly don't make a habit of overrating uh, my standing in the business or the community or anything like this. But I would just say uh, we all want to have think we have some sort of impact in a positive way on some people. And um, I've been overwhelmed, really, to be honest with you, between the texts, between uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, emails, phone calls. Um, it's, been, it's been really, really humbling and gratifying. And, um, again, I don't, think I've, I don't think I've reinvented the wheel. I don't think anything else. But when I get the compliment that um, means more to me than anything, you, you've been a real professional, you know, I, Everything in our business time and broadcasting is so subjective rather than objective. I always say that one man's trash is another man's treasure. I can send 30 reels out and get 15 different opinions from news directors. Some love you, some hate you. You can't control a lot of, a lot of that, but what you can't control are some of the intangibles. And I've always said if, if, if at the end of my broadcast career, if somebody says that I was professional and I was prepared then I'll be happy to call it a day. And I've gotten a professional compliment a lot, and that one means as much as, as anything. I'm certain that it does, and, and it's absolutely true. I mean, I think one of the great, one of the many great things about you is you are professional. I think that you, whatever the news is, whatever the situation is, the reason you've been so successful uh, on camera is you have been a rock for us. I mean, what things change by the minute, you know, in this business. And I think that we need our news anchors uh, to be, no matter what your feelings are about a certain situation, to be a voice that that we can trust. It really is what it comes down to. And uh, to have uh, you doing that for many years, I think, has been um, uh, a big part of our lives for that reason. It, when you heard Steve or saw Steve Savard, on TV, uh, it felt, especially in a year like this, it we need that normalcy. Like we need something familiar and something that made us uh, move forward, no matter what was going on. That's how I would describe it in a very long-winded way. 
Well, no, I mean, I, I, I appreciate it. And you uh, put out a great tweet when, when uh, the news broke. And I certainly appreciated that. I have great respect for you um, and everything you've accomplished in this town and, and what you mean to the station where you work and your listeners. A um, couple of the things that I've just held steadfast through my career is that, number one, I'm not the story. Don't be the story. I, I learned from I had so many good mentors growing up. And I made just enough stops, three stops before St. Louis, that I crossed paths with some very smart and insightful people. Don't be the story. Report the story. Um, and then the other one is let viewers decide. You know, I, I go to, I go on the air every night thinking that you, uh, Joe Viewer or Josephine Viewer, are smart enough to digest the information I give you and decide things for yourself. And, you know, it's, it's harder and harder to have that perception of unbiased reporting because people hear – nowadays in 2020 more than ever what they want to hear but i also have gotten that compliment quite a bit in the last few days that thank you for just calling it down the middle and being a reporter and letting us decide things for ourselves so those are the things that mean a lot to me that's good i'm so glad and i'm glad that, that you've been able to experience that it's well deserved and i know that we have a lot of people that are watching and will be watching this on replay that are just happy to see look at that i mean right there happy to see and hear from steve miss seeing him wish you the best of luck that is just that's really how everyone feels. They just like seeing you and, and like experiencing you. And that's not just from a news standpoint. I thought you were like that as a sports anchor, you know, and you, you did sports for a long, long time. And by the way, uh, play by play for the Rams on Sunday afternoons to be able to hear you do those games. That team wasn't always great either. Uh, in fact, <laughs> <New splash. laughs> for, <laughs> for a long time. You know, we talk about uh, having to experience some tough news, but, you know, this is uh, just sports. But bad football is is hard sometimes uh, if you're a sports fan and you were able to make this, I think, uh, you know, an enjoyable experience. And, and part of that also, I want to get right to this because I know you loved him so much, but uh, you've had some great analysts. Oh. I want to start with Jack Snow. Hmm. And what that relationship was like. Hearing you two together was very special for us. Well, sometimes we were best friends. And then as Bob, our friend Bob Ramsey used to say, you, you sound like the Bickersons half the time you're on the air. And that's and I'm aging myself. Believe me, the Bickersons pre well preceded me. It would be a radio <laughs> era, only era. But my parents told me all about the Bickersons I learned. But, you know, it's, it's, it's special time when you become friends with somebody and then you become close work partners. And we had six seasons together. Jack and I became close before we became broadcast partners. And our relationship only solidified our friendship. We were 20 years apart, but we really were contemporaries in thought, in ideology, in philosophy. Um, we believe that there's a protocol in life. We believe you don't jump ahead of anybody in line. We believe that, and, and Jack was really good uh, to me. Now, we did fight like brothers, and with most of the time, I would tell you that I was the, I pretended to be the older, mature brother, and he was the immature, younger brother, even though he had me by 20. And he's looking down on me, giving me the one-finger salute now. That's how he used to treat me when I walk in the booth. Um, it was just, we had so much fun. We really had so much fun together. I just missed some of the downtimes, not even in the booth. We would uh, vacation together, our wives and us, and we'd play golf and we'd just talk life. He'd come over to the house on a Friday or Saturday night and we'd, we'd sit out in the back patio starting at 6 o'clock and we wouldn't finish until midnight or 1230 and we just talked about everything but football. And that was a treat for my dad. My dad lived with me for the final 10 years of his life and lived with us after we got married for eight years. And my dad was the world's 
the biggest Notre Dame fan that actually didn't have any direct ties to Holy Mother of the Church. And I think to the day he died, he never forgave me for not getting a football scholarship there. But when Jack would come over and my dad was around, Jack, my dad would just pepper Jack with questions about Eric Parsegian and, you know, any, anybody he could talk, any, anybody he could dredge up and think about. So it was just a special relationship. Um, you get that once in a lifetime with somebody you're that close to, you get to work that close with. And uh, I would, you know, after he, after he passed it, it way too early at 62, I would have given anything to have one more game with the guy. It, it was, that's very well said. And there were so many things I'm sure about, like you said, it's not just the three hour football game. It's the travel. It's that night when you land in that city and you go out to dinner together, you go to the, well, we couldn't, you know, for years time, we couldn't get the, we couldn't get Jack. He was so cheap. He, he he load up on uh, he load up on a six pack of Pepsi when he got off the plane. He'd get uh, twenty candy bars. He'd get a bag of ice. He'd sit and drag on a dart all night long in his hotel room. And finally, in Rick Smith's final year as the director of communications, Jack finally started going out with us that year. Um, but Jack enjoyed the simple pleasures in life, and uh, we, he loved to play golf. And the shame of it is, we played a lot of golf together. He and I and Jim Stassi, our third amigo, who was our our, our executive producer of the broadcast and uh, Jack, God bless him. He needed two hips replaced. Who in the world gets, I've had one hip replacement. He had them both done the same at the same time, oh. but we never got to play golf after the hips were replaced. And, you know, Jack was stubborn. I used to tell him all the time, don't take the driver, hit a three wood. And he'd cuss me out and say, that's not the way you play golf. I would have loved to see him be able to play golf with two good hips and not lose so many balls. He'd go through 18 balls in the front nine, and then he'd look at me, and I'd say, no, Jack, I got to throw once. You're not going in my bag. And so then the next thing we'd look over, and he's on his hands and knees fishing balls out of the pond where he put three so he could continue to play. And I, I remember one time we were down at the Lake of the Ozarks, and I, I told Stas, I, he was in the cart, and I said, hey, look at your Notre Dame All-American over there fishing balls out of the water. So... Um, <laughs> He had accomplished a lot, but he remained he remained humble, although I used to tease him about being playfully cocky. He, he was very proud of where he came from, but there wasn't anybody who encountered Jack, whether it was on an elevator or uh, at the at the Dome or at Rams Park, that just wasn't taken by his um, his personality and, and, and his warmth. He loved to talk to people. No, he definitely had that uh, great personality and had a bit of an aura about him and it was so great to see him uh, when when the Rams first came to town to be able to be around him. But did you guys did you did you play pranks on each other? Was was um, a lot of that going on? We were we never. I mean, Tom. It was uh, you know who used to be in on it a lot was Mike Mars. So he so Jack. You know Jack. Uh, the, the organization was in those days. The organization was very loyal to people. And I saw John Shaw and Jay Zygmunt and Georgia Frontier. They, they love Jack, and Jack never wanted to disappoint him. You know, Jack could have had anything he wanted out there. He could have had a nice office. You saw his office. It was the library where they stored – it was it was bookshelves and stored media guides, and it was a table. It was enough for Jack to have his smokes, do his charts, and have a phone because he did like 20 phone interviews a day. I think that's what he thought his job was supposed to be. But on Monday nights, we would do the Mike March show in there. And before we would, before we would wrap it up and Mike would go back upstairs at 8 o'clock, he'd say – what are we going to mess with this week? You know, we'd hide his cigarettes. We'd hide the receiver on the phone. One time we went too far and, and we get a lot of calls and we get cussed out early in the morning and he tells us to grow up, you know, and act our age and everything else. But uh, 
we were we had run out of things to do. And and Stas says, because Jack used to like to recline in the chair on coasters, and he'd always put his feet up. And Stas says, I'm going to take it. The, I'm going to take the back coaster off the chair. And I said, I don't, and March says, I don't think this is a good idea. Well, he did it anyway. And at six o'clock in the morning, Jack apparently leaned back in it and went uh, A over tea kettle. <laughs> and the phone rang at 6.15 in the morning. And my wife picked it up and I could hear the screaming. He said, he used to call my wife Athena. He'd say, Athena, put your blankety blank, no good blank, blank husband on the phone. I mean now. And so he just starts screaming at me. He says, you grow up. I almost broke my back. I, I think my head, I might be, have to go to the hospital. He goes, you. So I hang up, I'm laughing hysterically, and I call Stas, and he answers the phone, and he can't talk, he's laughing so loud. He said, he called me five minutes ago and cussed me out. Uh, so he used to act like he didn't like it. I think we kept him young by keeping him on his toes doing that kind of stuff. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Steve Savard, great story about his former broadcast partner, the late Jack Snow. Tom Ackerman with you. Steve, we'll be right back with more next hour, Garage Happy Hour. We have a couple things to talk about in terms of the Cardinals' playoff scenario. After this short break, sports on a Sunday morning, it's 10.51. KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to sports on a Sunday morning. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX getting some positive feedback on the Steve Savard interview, and I really appreciate that. More from the former KMOV anchor, former NFL play-by-play voice on the way after the 11 o'clock news from my Garage Happy Hour. Uh, the Garage Happy Hours have been a lot of fun. I hate to put one in front of the other, but this was a really good one. I, I think a lot of people are looking forward to hearing from him. He's a class act, and he did a really good job. So we'll dive in a little bit more about St. Louis as a football town. Do not think this is a baseball town or a hockey town, or a soccer town. This is a great sports town, but for a time, this was a football town. The Rams owned it, and we'll hear from Steve Savard about that after the 11 o'clock news. Mike Schilt, the Cardinals manager, was with us earlier this hour and did break the news that Dylan Carlson is his cleanup hitter. I asked him, actually, what is your... How did I put it, James? Oh, I said, I haven't asked you this all season. I I haven't. I did not ask him for the lineup once this entire season, but I asked him what his lineup was, and he ripped through it pretty fast, and I noticed that Carlson was listed fourth. I said, did you just say Dylan Carlson's batting fourth? He said, I sure did. And I asked him why, and he said this. We need our best at bats, and Dylan's taking our best at bats, and you line up your order based on the at bats you think you're going to get, and that's the way it lined out. Dylan Carlson's been their hottest hitter. He's been their hottest hitter for the last week or so, and he is going to bat fourth. The lineup looks like this, according to the manager, Mike Schilt, who draws it up himself. Colton Wong, Tommy Edmond, and Paul Goldschmidt will bat one, two, three in front of Dylan Carlson. Yadier Molina will catch today and bat fifth. Paul DeYoung is batting 6th, Dexter Fowler 7th, Harrison Bader 8th, and Tyler O'Neill ninth. The starting pitcher is Austin Gomber. The starter for the Brewers is Brett Anderson. Now, Craig Council has been very strong in going to his bullpen pretty early. Schilt does anticipate that. The Cardinals could do the same. Not exactly the same scenario, according to Schilt, but they are prepared to back up Austin Gomber and his Schultz said they are playing to win today. So a win gets them in to the postseason. The scenario is this. If you're a Cardinals fan, you can keep it very simple. 
Cardinals control their own destiny. They win today against the Brewers. They are in the playoffs. If they lose the game, it's still very much in their favor as long as the Giants lose. If the Giants lose, the Cardinals are in good shape. If the Giants win their game today, then the Cardinals have to deal with, uh, and by the way, that game is against the Padres, the Cardinals would have to deal with Detroit on Monday. More after the 11 o'clock news. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.